This is the Date Night Podcast with Amber and Kurt. Welcome back to the Date Night Podcast. I'm Kurt. I'm Amber. Amber. Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm anxiously anticipating tomorrow. Because, because tomorrow is <laughs> the start of school. Yes. And as a parent that sends their kids to school, that makes me happy. And as an introvert. Yes. Probably more I, uh, because you're an introvert. Well, I mean, I think it all goes together. Like, I, I like the days that I, not that I go and do a lot of stuff, like, outside of the house, but I like being able to... This sounds so funny. Rearrange my furniture and <laughs> yes, <laughs> people. I I feel like I need to explain this. Be- Go ahead. Because um, like I rearrange my furniture like some people clean their house regularly. Yes. So. Why don't you explain that? I have to go get our dog. Oh, golly. I forgot she was outside. You keep explaining. I got to get our dog. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I, I get bored really quickly of my furniture layout. So, I rearrange rooms frequently. Um, I just did it a couple weeks ago while the kiddos were at different retreats and camp and so i i think i have rearranged um let's see i rearranged our living room both kids' bedrooms <laughs> did not rearrange our bedroom but yeah so i'm i'm excited to be able to do that without interruption yes that feels very introvert yeah so how are you um i'm not great <laughs> <laughs> i'm I'm stirred up today. You are, yeah. Um, we so maybe the listeners can hear the mower in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were gonna podcast last night, and yep. um, I had an Explorers game that we all went to. And usually, what happens when we're supposed to go to the when we're supposed to podcast after the Explorers game? I go, eh, I don't feel like it because I've been talking all night. And we said, well, we can do it today, and we put it off, and now we've got one kid mowing that is probably making it hard to hear. Yes. And then we've got another kid who is wanting to do a garage sale to raise money for something at church for a, a, pr- a really good cause, which is really great that she wants yeah. to raise money. But she's here with her friends, and they're, like, going a million miles an hour and want help, and I just, I'm tapped. Yeah. I'm tapped. It's, Yeah. Yeah. I need I need a, <laughs> a moment. Yeah. And I think this podcast is going to be the moment. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I finally had to tell my daughter, you got to we got to stop. Got to pause on the garage sale stuff. It's yeah. This is what what I'm feeling in all in some of this is this tension of like you know, you as a parent, you want to encourage your kids to do things and, and to yes. think of others and to find ways to help serve. And and um, Ella is very passionate about helping this uh, the food box ministry at church, and I love it. But at the same time, it is so, 
challenging. So challenging. She's not quite at the age that she can just take the idea and run with it. Right. Not quite old enough to be able to manage all of that. So it is, it takes, it's a little more labor intensive uh, on our end. Yes. So and, it's and hard. You said it best earlier. You said that when Ella gets latched onto something, she goes a million miles an hour laser focused on that thing as if nothing else in the world exists. Right. The problem is <laughs> there are other things in the world that exist. And that laser focus can turn off just as fast as it turned on. Well, it's very much on and right now. Yeah. So, you know, give it give it two days and she won't want to do it. I think she'll see it through. I, I yeah. just, I needed her to like take the laser focus down <laughs> to 50%. <laughs> the laser yes. was burning me. Yes. She was, she's all about this garage sale for a purpose. So. And, and as a nine Enneagram listen to our Enneagram episode to know more about that. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to like say no or to <laughs> say whatever. So I finally today worked up the the emotional health to say, nope, pause, no more talk about garage sale. Yeah. I need to not do this anymore. So then we sat down to podcast and um <laughs> and our son mowing who you had given directions to start in a part of the yard where we were not and yeah. he, he turned to the corner right as we were recording. So this is actually <laughs> recording part two because he turned the corner and began to mow the yard literally right outside the window where we were sitting. Yeah, he didn't quite apparently understand what I was asking or recommending or suggesting or whatever you want to say. Um, so, yeah. But our yard is getting mowed. Yes. So, so. so I took a minute. I went and yep. laid on my bed for a minute and tried to figure out what I needed. And yep. why I was feeling so stirred up, and we've moved locations, and we've kicked all the other girls out and said, it's too nice a day to be inside. Yeah. And in comes a girl. Hold on. Or. Oh, grabbing shoes. Oh, we're grabbing shoes. Grabbing shoes. Okay. Okay. Well, now the dog's back outside. No, she's, she's in. So, she is? Yep. Oh. We're okay. good. We're good. See, I almost got stirred up again. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm okay. I'm just feeling a little stirred up today. Sure. My my day off has not maybe gone as planned, which is fine. Right. It's fine. Everything's fine. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. I, <laughs> wow, that was like a small therapy session for both of us. It was. It was. Okay. Um, can you pull your mic off? Just perfect. Uh, perfect. Sorry, sorry. listen. Uh, sorry, listeners. You had to hear that. Um. <laughs> I want to tell you a story about a story okay. all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. You are not the Fresh Prince so of Bel-Air. So I want to take a minute and just sit right there. I want to tell you how I became you the Jazzy prince of a Jeff town now? called Bel-Air. Stop. Stop. Okay. So I have a news story I want to share with you. Okay. Um, there, there is something happening in Florida, somewhat of a contest, if you will. Um, do you know about this? Potentially, because I think I may have... Go ahead. Somewhat of a contest where the state of Florida, uh, yeah. a department, oh, snap. Spilled my coffee. Was the lid open? Yep. Okay. This is going, you know, you know, listeners, so Amber's gone. She's going to clean up this coffee. This is um, just a, just a real life look at <laughs> behind the scenes, you know. Our poop, yeah, Amber just said we don't have our poop in a group. Our poop is typically not in a group. Um, 
anybody that says their poop is in a group, they're lying to you. Um, sometimes it's more in a group than others. Uh, today, our poop is just not really in a group at all. Um, anyway, okay, Amber's back. So there's somewhat of a contest, a, a department, and then I almost spilled my coffee too. <laughs> <laughs> We're crushing um, this thing. So there's a department in the state of Florida that is um, enlisting the help of the public um, okay. to take care of a problem. Okay. Um, this problem is that there are thousands upon thousands of Burmese pythons in the state of Florida that do not belong in the state of Florida. I'm going on record right now as saying we are never going to Florida ever again. Thousands. Never. Ever. Again. So Burmese pythons, I don't remember the date because I don't have it in front of me and we're using my phone to record. A number of years ago, Burmese pythons got introduced somehow um, and they, um, they started breeding and having baby snakes. Pythons are poisonous, right? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know about a Burmese. I don't. I don't. The article either. didn't say, but, but they're, they're not native to Florida, and they are um, eating birds and other animals that are not that Florida does not want to have eaten and killed. Oh, okay. So a non-native animal is killing native animals. Uh huh. So, um, so the state of Florida is enlisting anybody who wants to take part in this in somewhat of a snake hunting contest. Um, did you know a Burmese python can lay up to 100 eggs a year? Shut up. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. 100 eggs a year. And so not only is there oh. – so I call this a contest. You know why? Because there's a cash prize. Um, and there's categories. There's pro snake hunters and novice. Like, th literally, th these are two categories of prizes. There's a novice class and a pro class. And um, there's a cash prize for the winner of both the novice and the pro class. Twenty five hundred bucks for I, I don't I think there's a I think there's a prize for like most caught in a defined amount of time. And then there's a prize for biggest for for novice and pro. I don't know what makes a pro versus a novice. I don't know that I understand the classification. I can't say I do either. Um. My question is, I believe I read this article. Okay. I don't know what possessed me to read this article because I do not like snakes. Well, I mean, there are snakes being hunted for money. But did I read correctly that they have to be killed a certain way? Um, no. Uh, well, kind of they have to be killed humanely. So, um, <laughs> you will... So, I, what I'm imagining is that you are going to go participate in this contest um, with your shovel. <laughs> I have a feeling that that would not be called humane. That is humanely. not humanely. <laughs> uh, slicing them with a shovel will not be humane. So, I say this to you because when you go down and enter this contest, you will be disqualified if you kill them inhumanely. I don't know what a humane snake killing is. I mean, killing in and of itself is not necessarily Ooh. a humane teaser for the middle segment well okay yeah i guess um, that but I, mm. so they probably have some rules the article didn't go into the rules but so chopping their heads off is not humane no i doubt that's going to be viewed as humane no so contestants um will be disqualified if they kill a snake inhumanely or if they kill a native snake 
So this is only Burmese pythons. So again, contest, $2,500 cash prize per winner. Again, I think there's, I think there's 2,500 bucks for biggest pro class, biggest novice, and then most pro and novice. 2,500 bucks. We are not, mark my words, we are not going to Florida ever 2,500 bucks. I'm sorry, Inflation's high. all of our use. listeners from Florida, you are wonderful people, but I'm not going to a place that has a contest because they have too <laughs> many snakes. No, this is good. We, I wish Hospers, I wish our town had a contest for killing snakes. Imagine all the snakes that would be But I don't kill them humanely. True, true. Okay, well, at any rate, um, <laughs> I, I thought this was an interesting thing. When oh. the snake population gets out of control, that they're enlisting uh, enlisting snake mm-hmm. hunters snake and giving hunters. a cash prize. It's like a bass, a bass fishing contest, but with snakes. Hoy so, boy. Anyway, if you're listening and you want to make a little extra cash. Head on uh, down to Florida. Head on down to Florida. <laughs> bring your rubber gloves and maybe, uh, maybe a, I don't know what you trap i don't know i don't know but head on down to florida so amber yeah i don't know if you knew it or not but that happened Oish. so today um amber and i want to kind of have a conversation um together about a topic that that we've talked a lot about and, and a topic that we actually kind of hinted at in our last episode about um in our episode spiders and weed um <laughs> which i think is maybe our best title by the way. <laughs> it's pretty great um but but i maybe want to say we are coming up on like 450 listens on our podcast <laughs> can you believe that 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 450 times people have listened to an episode of our podcast hey that's amazing uh, so yeah. big thanks yeah. to everybody who's listening. These are fun to put out, and we hope that you like them. But um, I digress a little bit. So we, during the spiders and weed episode, <laughs> when we <laughs> talked about the justice system and people being incarcerated, I, I don't remember how this came up, but after we recorded, I think it was after we were in the car, I think after we recorded, we both said we should talk about the death penalty talk about capital mm-hmm. punishment mm-hmm. Um, and and this is a topic that 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 I think we've talked about for a long time just together just as something that you know we wondered about how we should think about this and, and mm-hmm. honestly this is a topic that that I feel like I've maybe maybe come through some changes and uh, changes of opinion on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering I don't. I don't maybe know how to start this, Amber. You've done some research. Do you, Do you want to just maybe share? And I don't know your research, so I'm going to hear this for the <laughs> first time as well. Do you maybe just want to share, like, like what, 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 what do you want to say about like factual, statistical? Here is what is so in the realm of capital punishment. And, and then after maybe we talk about the facts, then then I think we want to we ultimately want to go into this place to say, hey, what what do we think is is most faithful in terms of a Christian worldview? What what do we think is most faithful um, in terms of how how are we supposed to think about this? Because mm-hmm. that's always where we want to end up, right? Not just sharing a bunch of data, but we want to share kind of what we're processing and, and what we think might be a faithful understanding of how, how God might want us to think about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. <coughs> 
so there's kind of two realms in which I looked at this capital punishment. Um, I looked at it at a state level, and then I looked at it um, from the federal level. Do, does the federal gov- government, like federal governments don't. They do. They do? They do. I thought this was just a state thing. No. So in 1965, capital punishment was abolished in Iowa. Okay. Um, there have been some executed in Iowa, but they were federal cases. Mm. So the state of Iowa does not have capital punishment as an option. It is life in prison. Okay. Not capital punishment. Okay. Um, so in 1972, there was a Supreme Court ruling that changed all the laws in regard to capital punishment. Um, but it it is still um, it's it's still a thing. In fact, um, you mean like states are still executing yes, people? Yes, um, I believe it is Oklahoma. Have you seen this? Just recently, is this I the shooting squad, the firing no, squad. No, this is. I believe it's Oklahoma. Um, has come out to say that they will be doing twenty-five executions in the next ten years. In the next how many years? Two. Holy moly. Yeah. That's so once a month. Yes. So there is there is a lot of outcry about that. How time out. <coughs> Sorry, I coughed. Um, maybe I'm getting ahead, but h- how does a state say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do twenty five of these in two years"? Like, how how do you plan that out? I mean, they have. They like these have are people that have been they're on, on death, death row. row. Yeah. <coughs> so I, I have a lot. Okay, keep yeah. going. I have a lot of questions. So, um, as of January first, twenty twenty one, there were two thousand three hundred and twenty nine people on death row. Uh, in all states. Mm-hmm. As of J- January first of this year, there were two thousand four hundred and thirty six. Okay. On death row. Um, <coughs> one in six, um, about 15%, um, were, are executed. Okay. 49.9% of cases are overturned. Oh my goodness. Like overturned completely. Yeah. Like people are set free from prison. Yes. 49%? Yes. Okay. Between um, 1972, when there's this Supreme Court ruling, um, to January 1st, there were 9,700 death sentences. Okay. 40 states still allow capital punishment. Today? Yes. That's a lot. That's more Mm -hmm. than I would have guessed. Yeah. So there's still, like, major breakdown information of, like, you know the percentage of um like you could like they break down race race of victims race of defendants Mm -hmm. um and that that type of breakdown um but yeah so there have been 1547 executions 
since 1976 as of July 29th of this year. Okay. Um, yeah, so um, there, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's like really interesting breakdowns of like jurors in Washington state are three times more likely to recommend a death sentence for a black defendant than a white defendant in a similar case. Like mm. there's all sorts of things like that. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> this one, this one doesn't sit well with me. So they have broken down where it's a white defendant and a black victim mm -hmm. and a black defendant and a white victim. The persons who are executed that were the white defendant against the black victim, 21. But the persons executed for a black defendant against the white victim, 300. That's a wide margin. Right. That, that is just... That's hard, hard to reconcile. Yeah. Yeah. Like... So, so the, there's 321 cases since when? So, so this is... These are actual 321 cases since... Of people executed since 1972. Since 1972. So since 76. 1976, there were 76. 300 cases where there was a racial difference between defendant and victim. And 21 of those, the white defendant with a black victim was sentenced to death. And, and when it was the opposite, 300 were sentenced to death. Not just sentenced, but actually. Actually executed. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I see. Actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a lot. In Louisiana, the odds of a death sentence, 97% higher for those whose victims was white than for those whose victim was mm. black. Like, all of these types of things, like, where race is really, yeah. like, yeah. disproportionate. Um, they, um, since 1973... More than 185 people have been released from death row with evidence of their innocence. Hmm. An average of 3.94 are wrongly convicted of death row prisoners have been exonerated since 1973. Hmm. Like th these are these seem like kind of big numbers to me, but you know, yeah. So yeah, yeah, those seem like big numbers. So. So fifteen hundred executions mm -hmm. since nineteen seventy six. Yes. Across forty states. And the federal government. And the federal government. Yes. And there's how many people on death row today? Say that number again. Um, as of January first, two thousand four hundred and thirty six. And conceivably forty nine percent of them will be found innocent. Mm-hmm. Or well, will be overturned for some reason. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you say overturned, overturned like this person is not in prison anymore, not overturned in like, oh, you now just have life in prison. Um, that I don't remember exactly. I don't have that note written down. Do you know in which state the most executions happen? I do. Can you share that with me? I bet you could probably guess. Um, Texas. Yep. Um, since 1976, Texas has had, has had 574 total. One in 2022 and three in 2021. Hmm. So, so we're saying how many? 574? What's the second? 
Oklahoma with 116. Oklahoma. Oh, 116? And then was Virginia with 113. So there's a gap of 400 executions? When you start going by region, the south, mm. 1,263. Mm. The Midwest has 193. That's interesting. I wonder... I mean, I think you can't This help also includes federal executions. The, the In the South. In the South. I mean, you can't help but make the connection of, like, you know. The Northeast. Yeah. Four. Oh, that four? Since 1976? Mm-hmm. Huh. You can't help but make a connection to. It, it's. The numbers are intriguing. Yeah. The yeah. numbers are intriguing. I mean, I wonder, I mean, in the South where. I mean, capital punishment for, I mean, capital punishment was lynching, right? Like, this is, right. this is a, this is a, a direct correlation, right? If, if a society, if a, a region of the country is comfortable with something like that, I, th right. I, I wonder if there's a comfort that transitions into capital punishment. Mm -hmm. Not to say, not to say everybody in the South is comfortable, mm -hmm. but in general, historically speaking, more comfortable than the rest of the country so juveniles mm -hmm. so these are people under the age of 18 right there are juveniles that are executed there under 18 there were um in 2005 the supreme court struck down the death penalty for juveniles in 2005 since 1976 until 2005 22 were executed for offenses committed as juveniles. Holy cow. So just about one a year. And, like, you start thinking, like, our brains are not fully formed until we're, like, 22. Right, right. Like, there, there's a lot to be said about that kind of development. Like, I, I yeah. Um, can I ask a, yeah. a, can I ask a uh, logistics question? Yeah. Um, is uh, I want to be careful I ask this um, do all states perform these executions the same way lethal injection is this a standard so you remember do you remember hearing the last couple of years how the lethal injection drugs are either not readily available or yes. were not correct yes. right so yes. um 30 states plus the U.S. government use lethal injection as their primary method. Okay. This is, this is again, all since 1976. Okay. Um, some states that utilize lethal injection have other methods available as backups. Um, New Hampshire, uh, there's just this note, New Hampshire abolished the death penalty in 2019 but the law was not retroactive, leaving one prisoner on death row and the lethal injection protocol intact. Hmm. Um, so, um, lethal injection is the highest. Okay. At 1,368. Okay. That's almost all of them. Next is electrocution, 163. I just can't even fathom. What, what movie is that where they that they 
it's about death row and they use the electric chair. There's a movie. What is it called? Don't know. The the Green Mile? Is it the Green Mile? I'm not sure that I know the Green Mile. I mean, I know of it, but I'm not sure that I've seen it. Yeah. Anyways, the next is Gas Chamber at 11, and then Hanging at 3, and Firing Squad at 3. So those are methods. Since 1976. Since 1976. Um, so you said Iowa doesn't, doesn't allow capital punishment which they have abolished capital punishment yes way to go iowa i'm happy to be in iowa <laughs> um do, do you have a list of the like can we shout out the other states that like can we maybe just showing our hand a little bit but do, do you know the other 10 state the other nine states yes alaska colorado connecticut delaware hawaii illinois iowa maine Maryland, Massachusetts, Massachusetts. Oh, you almost said a bad one. <laughs> it's hard to say. Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and District of Columbia. Way to go, those states. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some facts. Mm-hmm. Can, can we shift? Mm-hmm. What What do you want to say about capital punishment? Like, what? H- how do you think about it? How have you thought about it? How do you think about it today? And And what do you think is Im- why is it important to think about it? Uh, that was a lot of questions. It was a lot of questions. <laughs> what do you want to say, Amber? I think. I think. We may sound like a broken record, but I think it's important to realize that this is just not a black and white issue. It's not a, it's so complex and complicated. I am not, I am not for capital punishment. I think there was a time where I would have been okay with it. I, I don't. I don't quite know how to reconcile with a victim's family that is going through that. Victim mean like, like the person who is being executed, the person that they harmed, the victim the of per- that person? Yeah, the, yes. the, the victim of the crime that was committed right. and their right. family. I'm, I'm I'm not sure how to reconcile with them um, because, like, it gets a little tricky with, um, you know, I think frequently the the scripture used is eye for an eye, right? Like, you know. Which is completely out of context for capital punishment. Right. I, and so I I don't know I I think this is I think my wrestling is probably bigger with a bigger picture of the justice system as a whole than uh, um, than just capital punishment um, because I don't feel that even so okay we abolish capital punishment right 
but you still have all of these people that are serving life in prison. And I am not certain, like, life in prison, what, number how is that justice? Right. Like, I, I think we have a very skewed view of justice anyways, but life in prison, number one, like, you can even, like, take out even the, the, chance of them being innocent right you know you have this snowball effect of like okay so this one person's incarcerated you have this whole family that is now affected you have more than likely you have kids that are affected that so it just takes generations to change and to to recoup this situation um It's clearly not a deterrent for doing the crime. Right, because incarceration numbers have not decreased. Right, So something, like, I feel like there's something that's got to change to bring those numbers down. But, I, yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, so when you talk about life in prison you're saying you don't understand are you saying that you also don't know that life in prison is an appropriate thing either you'd like to have a larger conversation yeah yeah i I, that's yeah that's where i think like we're not seeking restoration of the person we're not seeking like hey you you did this very poor decision yeah whatever it may be like what are we doing to reform them? What are we doing to be able to get them to be a healthy contributing member of society? We have just said, you're not worth it. You're just, just be locked up. Right. It's punitive. It's punishment. It's punishment. And, and not to say there shouldn't be punishment. Right. Like, right. They have, they have made the decision and need to take, responsibility for the consequences i just don't know if our consequences are helping them become a a stronger person right and and this is i mean we talk about this a lot this is the difference like a christian worldview would seek wholeness and healing and restoration mm-hmm. but a you know uh, a I don't even know a, a non-christian a, a, a secular worldview is someone screwed up they deserve to be punished right like the justice system is not really restoring and healing it's punishing right right um yeah yeah so what else do you want to say like how how do you process what you think about the death penalty and i mean what do you think about you didn't really answer (laughs) um you just said it was it was complex it was comp it is complex i am i am not a proponent of um 
of capital punishment. I am not a an advocate for capital punishment. I, I don't think that's a a great idea. I, I think it's I, I don't I struggle to see how say that their their crime was they took a life. I am not certain that I can get on board saying, well then they they too get to take it. Then then their life has to be taken. Right. Because there's a ripple effect. It's not just it do, again that one thing doesn't involve just that one. You know, there's so much there's families involved on both sides. And and there's also the people that have to carry out right that that's a great point that's you know like point. like you think of a firing squad oh my gosh like, I, I don't I, even know i, I mean like that's got to trigger ptsd for you know like uh, um a, and even like you can go back to the lynchings and uh, the the impact of the people that observe that not not just not just the the victims and the families and you know yeah yeah that's a great point but yeah so can you answer those questions i can (laughs) i can you said this was complex i i um maybe naively i don't feel like this is complex to me um I'm going to be honest and say this is one where where I I don't feel like there's a lot of nuance for me. Sure. I think um, I think capital punishment is always always the opposite of wholeness and the opposite of sure. Yeah, what I agree God with desires. that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know that I could ever. I don't know that there's any situation where I could ever say, yeah, I support a state taking the life of this person. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there's there's the question of human life and the value of life and the dignity of life and when people bear the image of God. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know that there's ever a time where one human, one image bearer should take the life of another. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I would say the same about the initial crime, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the initial crime is God's desire or, or for wholeness or shalom or peace. I just don't know that one act of taking shalom and wholeness away is made right by the exact same action in reverse right i i've never i obviously don't know anybody who has been a victim or had a family member be a victim and then and then that family then got to see their the 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 instigator the perpetrator the whatever Mm -hmm. executed it i don't know what that's like and i've never talked to anybody but i i don't know that I understand how that repairs. Mm-hmm. I just have a hard time understanding how that. I have a hard time understanding how a family member could watch someone be executed and go, "Oh man, this just feels." Yeah. S- this it feels right. Yeah. I, but again, like having never lost a family member or close friend to a violent crime. I don't know the emotions. I don't either. I, I imagine it, it feels like vengeance. 
Right. Right. I imagine it feels like revenge. And yeah, so I I, I say it's complicated because I don't want to diminish. No, absolutely not. The the what is going on with the families of the victim of the violent crime. Yeah, I I just I agree. I don't want to make light of it either. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know how how we get to the justification to think that that's going to restore anyone. Right. Right. You know, right. I, I don't know that there's a case to be made that that's actual restoration. Right. Now, now if, if we want punishment, yeah, then it, it is punishment. Right. I just don't think that's what, what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's what the church should want. Right. I think the church should want restoration and healing for everyone. Right. Including the perpetrator. Including right. the person on death row. Right. Right. Um. So, yeah, I don't want to make light of it. I just don't know theologically how to get to a point where where I would say, okay, now that family is made whole. Right. Yeah. I think they're equally un- unwhole. I mean, I think this is the result of living in, a f- living in a fallen world. There are parts of us that will not be whole. Right. Right. And no matter how hard we try. Right. If, if you lose a family member in a, you know, in an accident or to a, a – murder or at the hands of a person you're not going to be whole right and i think that's theologically speaking i think we would say that's that's a byproduct of living in a a fallen world right Right. yeah so we can seek it it's just not uh, the unfortunate part is it's just not there yeah um i i guess the other thing that's compelling to me kind of take the theology out of it a little bit the 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 idea like how can we be sure like we better be (laughs) doggone sure yes i I don't know that there's a level of surety surety sureness certainty 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 that that i could feel comfortable saying yep take that person's life right i mean you better be man it better be for certain that that person is guilty right and I don't know that there's a level of certainty that I'm comfortable with. Right. Right. What if you're wrong? Yeah. What if the state is wrong? Right. Yeah. That's now you've just made a bad situation even even worse. Even worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And gotten further from wholeness. Right. Right. So yeah, I don't buy the eye for an eye thing. It just it does not line up with the words of Jesus. It does right. not align. Like, accountability, yes. Like, I think we should all be accountable for our actions, but the eye for an eye, like, gosh, we then we're all poking our eye out, right? Like, right. We're all we're all dying right, right now, <laughs> like, right? And 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 to 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 go into <clears throat> you know like the words of Jesus, like if the adult the woman called caught in adultery, right, right, like. The law given to Moses was man and woman caught in adultery yeah. would both be stoned. Yep. So they dragged the woman caught in adultery to Jesus to s- get him to uphold the law that was given to Moses. Yeah. And and Jesus is like, nope, that's yeah. not that's not yeah. how it works. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know it it makes you stop a little bit and say like 
okay, yes, but like yeah, yeah. it's not just this one one verse, one chapter. Like Right. There's so much like we do the church does this, right? right. Like if if you to me if you take the whole of scripture I just I can't I can't get to a case that says we should be killing people that have killed other people. Right. Um right. you know, I, I love your point about the people having to do the work. I mean my goodness, I can't even fathom. I hadn't even thought of it until you said that. But yeah, can you imagine having to go home at night to your family, being like, "Well, I did it mm, again today." Yeah, like, how again. how do you? And I'm sure the state has all sorts of procedures to where they make it to where, you know, it takes the guilt out. But I don't know how you ever. I don't know how you do that completely. I. We're not made to take life. I mean, I mean, you you can't tell me. Like, there is discussion right now that there are some on death row in, like, South Carolina or something that want to be executed via firing squad. There's no way. This should never happen. Like, I... I, Who who among us are we going to pick to stand in front of a person? So so then I, I did read some of this. So then what they do is, right, they... They they have multiple shooters. Yeah, there's they, like five shooters. But only one has live ammo. Right. So then nobody really knows. But you can't tell me I that they, they number one, that you wouldn't know. Like, if you're trained enough right. to, to be in this lineup, you are trained. I would certainly think that you would be trained enough to, to be able to tell the difference when you fire it. Maybe not. I don't know. But even even to say, I I it's one I have a one in five chance, yeah, or you know whatever, of being the one. I mean, <laughs> the the people are are active military come home, right, and are right really struggling with those things with yeah. PTSD. Like how how is how is that not going to contribute? It's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a psychologist by any stretch, right. but but it feels like now you've just screwed with five people's emotions and psyche, right? Like, mm-hmm. now, great. You don't know which one it is. Now all five of them have to go home and say, gosh, what if it was me? Right. Like, I don't understand. I just don't think we're made to compartmentalize and to take life and to to cope right with doing it. like I just don't I don't right. have any understanding of how this state would think this is okay right and invite someone to do this forget about the vic- or forget about the death row person the inmate, the inmate the I don't have any leader, understanding yeah. how people would think this is okay yeah. and maybe I'm showing my cards too much but right I I'm a I'm a pacifist I just can't be okay. Yeah, I, I, and I I think too from a from a a Christian perspective of do we believe that someone is beyond redemption? That's a great question. Because in in some ways of saying, well, they need to be executed for what they've done. Like, so we are we essentially saying that. God can't or won't redeem this person. Yeah. That he they he or she is way too far to be redeemed. And how like is that really what we believe? Right. 
like I expect the state to believe that. Right. I don't expect the church to believe that. Right. Right. Uh, and I, I just wonder. I, I wonder. I wonder uh, because I think we see this even beyond, even outside of the justice system. Yeah, definitely. We 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 see it. This idea of like. You're, you're too far. Yeah. You're too far to right. be redeemed. Right. Or, or I don't want you to be redeemed. Like, let's just be honest. God, I don't want. Yeah, I think I that's don't probably want you it. To be redeemed. I mean, I think, I think, uh, is it Romans eight? I, I don't know which chapter, but it's in Romans where Paul writes about like even while we were still enemies with God, God sent Jesus. And mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that that word enemies, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Because I think often we think, well, I didn't kill anybody. I'm not on death row. But the reality right. is, like, from a church theology perspective, we were all enemies of God, whether we right. killed someone or not. Right. So, I mean, I, I I think that's where I go to say, hmm, I don't think I don't think Paul makes distinctions of of any of us being further from redemption than anybody else. Right. I right. think the the point is we're we were all equally far from mm-hmm. redemption. Mm-hmm. No one is further than another. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it always disappoints me. I mean, I'll just name it. It always disappoints me how much of the church supports capital punishment. Uh, it it baffles me and disappoints mm-hmm. me. And I'm sorry if you're listening and, and you like and, and you support it. That I, 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 we, we can still we can have discussion. Yeah. But, um, but I think open to conversation and let's talk about it you know but i think i'm i'm okay saying that i i am disappointed how much of the church mm-hmm. um institutionally supports mm-hmm. capital punishment mm-hmm. um I, I wish that was maybe a little different yeah and, and i think you made a good point too i, I also don't think life in prison is a, an, a, a great alternative right right <laughs> I don't love that either. Right. <laughs> I don't love life in a in a concrete cell for the, for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I don't love that either. Right. And I I am aware, you know, like I've I've watched a lot of crime shows on TV. Nah, you're an expert. <laughs> um, you know, so there are people who are mentally and emotionally manipulative and unsafe you know and so i i i don't know what the answer is in those situations that is complex you're right i i i don't know i don't love this idea of letting them sit and rot in a prison cell for the rest of their like i i don't love that rhetoric yeah because that's common rhetoric too but i i also understand like this this piece of like oh yeah you serve you know five years be on your way like because we are broken and sinful people and you know like i I don't know i don't i don't know those situations yeah i mean i I think i think you bring up a good point like we yeah there are people that respond to healing and and restoration differently Mm -hmm. I, i i wonder you know, I, I I wonder if I- is there ever a time where we stop hoping for healing? Yeah. Right. Like, is is there ever a time 
is there ever a time to say they should rot? I mean, this this is a rhetoric that we right. hear, right? Yeah. Like, is there a middle ground of like, you know, we're not going to set this person free, but we're not going to let them rot. We're going to hope for healing and offer solutions for healing and restoration until until the day they die. Yeah. I I wonder if it's possible to um to to separate from society and hope and try for restoration. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's too idealistic, but right. I, I don't think it has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has to be roaming free to to be unhealthy and, and dangerous. Right. Or sit in a cell and rot. Right. I don't think it has to be one or the other. Right. There's got to, there's, yeah. Yeah. Or, and if we, I think if we settle for one or the other, maybe we're, maybe we're just refusing to do the hard work of, of imagining otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot more we could say about this. There is. I feel like I've probably alienated our listeners enough. (laughs) Um, My nine Enneagram is like, ooh. I just made someone unhappy, but if you disagree with us, I'd love to hear. We yeah, would love to hear. Yeah, um, let's let's engage in dialogue. Yeah, let's hear it. Yep. Yeah, we, we have. Um, you said it. I would say too that that I would say eight or ten years ago, I would have been absolutely one hundred percent in favor of capital punishment, mm-hmm. probably as a deterrent. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been in the camp of saying, "Well, we have to have this out here so people know that they can't do horrendous right. things." Right. Um, I'm not sure that it deters. Research has shown that it's not a deterrent. Yeah. Most most punishments are not deterrents. Right. Like traffic tickets to the death penalty, most right. punishments are not deterrents. They're punishments. Right. I mean, I speed every day. I know you do. So do you. I do. It doesn't deter me. The threat of a ticket does not deter me. It deters me with window tint but oh that's, that's another <laughs> story so so anyway that's if, a whole nother conversation if if you have different thoughts we'd love to hear it yeah um as always there's ways to leave comments on the podcast or shoot us a text yeah yeah um cool you want to say anything else amber before no, we I think that's all head I on into the next what that's to read all, I got. all right thanks amber yeah Well, here we are again, back yeah. in the segment that we call What You're Reading, um, where we recap something we're reading or something we're listening to. So, Amber, what you're reading? So, my What You're Reading, um, I actually read a little while ago, um, but it fits in our um, topic super well, so I Does. feel like I <laughs> wanted to shed a little light on it um it's called the sun does shine how i found life freedom and justice by anthony ray hinton um anthony ray hinton was a man who was incarcerated in alabama i believe it was um yeah in alabama he was on death row for 30 years 30 years 30 years and he was actually innocent unbelievable um through a series of events and um uh kind of revelations and um um 
like one lawyer's nonprofit like, work. Yeah, yeah, lawyer's nonprofit work. Um, they he was released after thirty years, um, because he was truly innocent. Um, there were some major major issues in the um, the the court system in the justice system um but but anyways um this story the sun does shine this book is about his kind of journey um his 30 years in prison his um experiences and now he is an advocate for um those on death row um especially like finding and releasing the innocent um and yeah just just uh, his his firsthand accounts of being on death row for 30 years 30 years he's not getting those 30 years back right and how like he didn't commit the crime and i want to say he was like 18 yeah uh, he was young he was 29 oh I thought he, he was, was 29. Younger. I thought he was younger, but yeah, he was 29 when he was sentenced. Um, so 30 years, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like th- this is, a- and so it's, it's his story and just coming out, like being released and what kind of happened with him being released. And um, yeah, so super interesting read, very very informative um but the sun does shine by anthony ray hinton um yeah Yeah, i'm feeling things stir up in me just thinking about someone being on death row for 30 years innocent Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like you want to talk about restoration like there is nothing that can restore this man (laughs) i mean like you have he has been harmed beyond repair yeah for, for no fault yeah it just makes me so upset yeah there's uh we we have another book written by brian stevenson who's the lawyer do you remember what that book is called because brian stevenson he's the lawyer that runs this nonprofit that got this guy out he's what book did he wrote a book yeah he wrote just mercy just mercy do we have that one? i I've, think we have that one i feel like i've read that one but i couldn't you remember if we've we might have listened to it that could be we have read it, but that one's good too. That's mm-hmm. like a freebie this week. Just yeah. Mercy is the yeah. Just Mercy is like the fam- the popular one. Yeah. But this one came first. Sun Does Shine came first, I think. No, I don't think so. I think it was the other way around. Okay. I think. I like um, Sun Does Shine better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, super interesting. Well, I gave you a little bonus. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So, Kurt. What you reading? I didn't think you were going to ask me. I thought we were going to have an awkward silence there for a second. <laughs> um, I don't Oh, man. I I want to do two. Can I can I do like one and a half? Okay. That was Amber's coffee. Ice coffee, if you heard it clinking around. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. Clink, clink, clink. Um, okay. So I'm reading a book. I read a book called Under the Unpredictable Plant by Eugene Peterson. Okay. Have I not told you about this? I don't think so. Uh, Eugene Peterson is a he was a pastor and he's written mm-hmm. a number of books he he wrote the message mm-hmm. uh, the message paraphrase of the Bible mm-hmm. um, and he he wrote a series of 
pastoral books and by pastoral like he's writing them to pastors for pastors okay um for people not just ministers but for people in vocational ministry mm-hmm. um and under the unpredictable plant is a, a vocational ministry book for uh, based on the book of jonah ah okay yeah i um, wondered yeah and and he he just again it's written about like what what is the call of vocational ministry and i mean there's a lot i could say about it but it it has been a gift to me my my the the lead pastor of the church that i work for um brian keepers is his name he's the lead pastor of trinity church has recommended these books to me and they have just been a gift Mm -hmm. Um, eugene peterson essentially writes this this book as sort of an anti-success book all of his books are sort of like anti-success right we Mm -hmm. we in western culture we measure success by growth and Mm -hmm. budget increase and more people in the church seats and eugene peterson says no that's not Mm -hmm. what that's not what our call is our call is not to take the church up and to the right Mm -hmm. our church our, our call as vocational ministry people people called into vocational ministry our call is to be faithful to showing people who god is Mm -hmm. and that's not glamorous and it's hard Mm -hmm. and sometimes we want to run from it Mm -hmm. and sometimes people don't want what we have to give Mm -hmm. in terms of showing people who god is and this is the call Mm -hmm. um it's just been such a gift so I, I don't know what you would think reading it. Maybe mm-hmm. it'd be good for you, but I think anybody that is in vocational ministry, it's a must. Mm. It has been so encouraging in a, in a season where it's been hard to work for a church mm-hmm. where it just has felt like success has been so hard to find, where fruit yeah. has been so hard to find. It's been such a gift to read this book and realize that, you know, yeah, it's hard. And, and that's the call. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. hard because it is the call. Right. Um, so anyway, under the unpredictable plant, hmm. very good. Cool. Here's my point five. Okay. <laughs> I listen to a pod. I'm I'm listening to a podcast called the S- the Sunshine Place. Uh huh. It's about a place um, that began in the '60s as a drug rehab compound, um, sort of a, an anti-establishment drug rehab place that did things that were un- unorthodox and found some success, but sort of turned into like a cult. Mm. Um, and it is fascinating um, to, to hear stories about uh, you know one man who has control of people and wants to maintain control. Mm-hmm. And it's really good. The Sunshine Place. It's a podcast. It's a long form. It's in my queue. It's really good. It's yeah. worth a listen. So cool. That's my one point five. Cool. All right. Well, that's what we're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- this this felt like a, a, a good conversation to have. So cool. thanks for thanks for the podcast, Amber. Yeah, until next time. Until next time. The Date Night Podcast was written and presented by Amber and Kurt. Produced by Kurt and Amber. Intro music and interlude selected by Amber and Kurt. Editing by Kurt and Amber. Logo and thumbnail created by Amber and Kurt. 
research and fact-checking done by Kurt and Amber. This has been a production of Amber and Kurt.